In the Fuzzy Memories podcast, we celebrate the good, the rad, and the fugly of the 80s and 90s. We're three latchkey kids who made it out alive. And in each episode, we break down all the culture that popped one year at a time. Whether it's the birth of legends. I'm Lyme disease free today and I have Whitney Houston and MTV to thank. (laughs) Or audacious moves. Imagine also the the poor Golden Gate Bridge. You turn 75 and people have a party on you. I don't want that. Or even confusing PSAs. In the stop, drop, and roll. I mean, we would, I assume as an adult, I would catch on fire weekly. All the time! (laughs) We've got a take that will make you laugh. We've also got thoughts on all sorts of random phenomena and the most unmitigated of golf. Why sharks can't be trusted, people can't be trusted, and rivers can't be trusted. (laughs) It's collusion. It's of the highest degree! Uh Uh-huh. You were counseling me to start my remarks with, first of all, bitch. <laughs> that one, everyone in that room would have snapped to attention. It's going to be basically coffee lids, shark revenge, and then maybe like Matt gets. <laughs> we need to do something about him. Join us every other Wednesday to celebrate the hits, the misses, and the misfits of the weirdest decades. If I could tell my 14-year-old self from 1990 that I would be eating in a cheesecake factory in, in Beverly, Beverly Hills, I'd be like, we did it. We, we did it, Joe. We did it. <laughs> Listen and subscribe to Fuzzy Memories on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and your favorite podcast platform. Hello and welcome to Broads and Books. I'm Erin. And I'm Amy. And this is episode 125, Afternoon Delight. We hope you listen to this in the <laughs> afternoon. So it's a nice afternoon delight. I, you know, when you sent me your ideas for this week's theme, uh, I basically saw this one and I was like, I don't care what the rest are. This has to be it. It has to be it. it. Really, it, it spoke to our one hit wonders theme so wonderfully. It does. It does. And now I have to look at my notes because the Starland vocal band. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah. had no idea. Yeah. That there was even a... Uh-huh. At this point, I'm basically thinking it came from Anchorman. Me too. Right? That was... Yep. Yeah. Yep. Skyrockets in flight. Afternoon delight. Yeah, so why did you pick this, Erin? Besides well, the obvious. Yeah, besides yeah. the obvious. Uh, believe it or not, we're not. I mean, sex might come up. Yeah, but, but it's, it's not, not the, the primary theme. theme. Nope. The main theme is just seizing the moment. <laughs> I loved your take on that too. That yeah. To have sex or not, but uh, or to other, have other or, activities. Or to say no and yeah. do something else. Yeah. Get some frozen yogurt. Whatever it is, <laughs> seize the moment. I'm going to seize the moment to have some banana runts after this. That's I'm what gonna I'm going to do. I'm going to seize the moment and put on every topping at the yogurt shop. <laughs> Whatever. Seize the Whatever moment means is. to you. Yeah. That's what this is. Yeah, that's good. So our picks are like big choices, little choices, all the things. All the things in seizing between. Seizing that damn seizing opportunity. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. We're going to address the elephant in the room, too, right off the bat. Okay. I don't have COVID again. (laughs) I feel like I have to say that like once a month, every other month. I've been tested. Uh Uh-huh. I just have a wicked cold. Yeah. And your voice is something. It is something. Yeah. Especially when you start laughing. It's... It's a full, I was just saying before we recorded this, it's a full like two octaves lower than usual. It is. It it's is. almost alarming. Like, wait, who is sitting across from me? Yeah. It's Aaron. It's, you're going to hear Aaron. some weird things this episode. <laughs> and I apologize. I feel like I'm channeling like old crusty lounge singer. Yes. Yes. I've lost the sultry. I've lost now the Now you're just crusty. I'm just crusty. <laughs> I got my regulars and I smoke... To the point that you want the ash to yeah. just fall off because, oh, my God, when's it going to be there. done? This lounge singer has seized the moment so many times, mm-hmm. and now the moments have come back to haunt her. Yes. Yeah. There's no tea and honey on this throat. Nope. Straight, Straight up tobacco. ash. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah, that's right. It's a, it's a something. Yeah. So apologies, but I'm not infecting Amy, I promise. No, 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 no. And... I'm not sending anything through the airwaves. I'm just... I will point out that you have an entire pile of cough drops next to you, and you've already unwrapped a couple just in case. 
just in case <laughs> they're ready to go they are ready to go because when it starts it is something you also took some cough medicine before this I did. so i'm waiting to see if we have a reaction like you know when you took benadryl and then accidentally drank wine while we were recording no i feel something. like i've been hopped up on cough medicine all week mm-hmm. that my body's immune to it oh okay yeah okay so it's built up mm-hmm. such a level. Yeah. What percentage of your body do you think is cough medicine at this point? What do they say normally? Like your body's 80% water? Yeah. Yeah. I think it's like probably a good, I'm going to give myself 40% water. Nice. Okay. So you're still partially 40% hydrated. 40% cough syrup yeah, at this yeah, point. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. Yeah. 20% infection. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say 20% gushers, but you know, I whatever. Yeah. yeah. I can't really taste anything mm. which i know also seems like it would be COVID again i was tested <laughs> multiple times i did it you also went to the walking clinic and said test me for everything <laughs> i did which is a <laughs> wide range you really have to narrow it down you need to narrow it into like COVID, influenza strep not everything STDs right and all the things. then i was yeah. like oh i'm sorry i do not have chlamydia i feel confident about that i meant respiratory things right, right. Give me the gamut. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they did. Mm-hmm. And you were a negative. On I was all negative. And honestly, I feel okay. Uh-huh. So don't don't worry. If you feel like you're harming me by listening to this because <laughs> I force myself to record it. That's or right. I am your task mistress. Yeah. And I say, God damn it, Aaron, you're going to record. I don't care how yes. you feel. That's not what happened no, here. No, it's not what happened. I'm fine. Yeah. I just sound weird. Sounds great. Sound like I'm on tour. <laughs> with the Starlin vocal band. <laughs> Afternoon Delight. You've had quite a career. I brought the vibe for yeah, the episode. <laughs> <laughs> well, so when we're thinking about seizing the moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Can you remember a time that you felt like you really seized the moment? Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, you know, I've gone on record as, as loving music. I'm a huge music you fan. You are. Yes, right? this is okay. true. Gone to many, many concerts. Uh-huh. I've had the good luck at a couple concerts to be able to meet the the people performing. Oh, shit. One was at a Lollapalooza in 2005. Okay. And I was with my friend Amy, who knows, like, the the bassist, I believe, for the Killers. Oh. Like, when she went to high school with. So, and her co- his cousin was there. Like, so we were there, and we knew we were going to get backstage and see the Killers. Oh, my gosh. Then... We hung out with them for a while. We went to a club with them. Like what? it was, yeah, it was intense. But because there was so much drinking involved, mm. because it was a very hot day, because it was like maybe two a.m. on a Sunday night, I was not thinking the most clearly. So I remember trying to start a conversation with the guitarist, who I don't remember his name. I don't even know if I knew his name at the time. And I started asking like such inane questions that he just looked at me with straight up pity, and was like, "Why?" Why are you here? And then he left. And then I went home. I slunk home in a cab at 3.30 a.m. Had a great time, but I was also a little embarrassed of myself. Oh, shoot. That didn't really drive home until I did it again. Uh, a few years later, I went to see a band called The Donnas. And it was a, a, it was an event. Like, I was there with Amy, and I believe my boyfriend at the time, and her boyfriend, now husband. And... It was an event where we got to be like VIP and we got to meet them afterwards. And I had a whole speech prepared. I was ready to tell whichever member of the Donna, because it was an all girl band, um, like how much it was so cool to have representation and music and blah, blah, like all the things. It was very heartfelt, very emotional. I don't know if I just delivered it wrong, if I was so drunk that I slurred half the words or if I was just coming at it from a real weird vibe, because immediately I started talking to, again, don't remember her name, Donna sure. something, yeah. Donna M, Donna yeah. R, don't know. And immediately she had to look of, oh no, this is a stalker. And so you could see like her sort of backing up both in her eyes and in her body. Oh no. Yeah. And so it was, I was just very earnestly telling her how much I loved her and the band and the music. And it was just so important for, you know, the world and for girls everywhere. And she's like, okay, okay, cool. And then I think they called VIP off at that point. <laughs> I left. Well, I'm outraged for you because I imagine that it was earnest and sweet. I seized the moment and I disappointed the people with which I seized the moment. So I can only imagine. And these were, you know, not bands that I was super obsessed about, which has taught me a lesson. 
if I'm ever going to meet a band that I am super obsessed yeah. about, I can't talk. I can't right. really, I just okay. can't do it. Okay. I have to just either not meet them at all and uh-huh. just worship them from afar uh-huh. or just put a muzzle on or something. Yeah. Just can't do it because it's going to go bad. Maybe it's go bad. Maybe just not so much alcohol before. That's not think, realistic. That's uh, not realistic, yeah, Aaron. Yeah, no, it is true. realistic. Now I'm, you know, 45. I don't drink as much as I did when I was right. 26. Right, so, you right. know, yeah. Yeah. Good plan. Good plan. Yeah. I still feel like I'm going to get real weird. Yeah. And stalkery. It's just, yeah, yeah. It's hard to out. That awkward thing is just something that happens, mm-hmm. you know. I can relate. Yeah. I also want to mention that when you initially wrote this question, you said, do you remember a time when you felt like you seized the moment and it paid off for you? And I asked you to remove that last part. You did. These you did. did not pay off They didn't off pay off. Me. They did not pay they off. They did not go as well as they were going to in my head. But you seized the moment. I did. You did it. I did. And that's something to be Fueled by alcohol and 20-something clustered fuckery. I don't know. What else are seized the moments fueled by exactly. if not alcohol? <laughs> Come on. Come on. That's very true. Yeah. So, you know... Similar to seizing the moment, mm-hmm. I don't know if it's as, as popular as it was, but for a while we were hearing YOLO mm-hmm. all the time. You mm-hmm. only live once. Mm-hmm. Do you? What do you think about this philosophy? And have you ever, you know, used it in your life? First of all, fuck off. No, <laughs> YOLO to me means like, yo, leave me alone. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah, like, good. Uh-huh. I don't. I don't want to do whatever your weird thing is you're trying to get me That's to do. That's a good do. point. It's used to justify weird stuff. Yeah. You only live once. Yay. Yeah. Yeah. I only live once and I'm choosing with the life that I have not to do that. <laughs> what? No. It's a justification for weird behavior. Yeah. And it feels very, well, for a lack of a better phrase, white entitled guy. Totally. Like, you only live once. Let's jump off this cliff. And like, I'm never going to die. Yeah. But I'll live forever. Yeah. And you're like, well, okay, yeah, you do only live once. Yeah. And... I'm going to not participate if that's good with you. Yeah. And you if you jump live- off that cliff, you probably have good health insurance. So you're going to be yes. fine. Yeah. And you know what? I only live once. And how many nights do I know that I'm going to be able to sit at home and watch TV and eat Reese's Pieces? Exactly. I don't know how many of those I have left. Right. I want to preserve all of those nights. Yes. So no, I don't want to go to your sweaty club and get <laughs> ground up on from the back. I want to go home because I only live once. I only live once and I want to be comfortable wearing comfortable shoes or no shoes. Exactly. On my couch. Now I feel like I implement it in a different way in my life, which is to say I only live once. And so I need to be careful of the situations I put myself in because I don't want to go to jail for murder. Yeah, that's good. That's a good call. Yeah. Because I feel like you can only live so long on this earth. With getting no credit for not being a psychopath before you snap <laughs> and absolutely kill someone. Yeah. And as a woman, that potential is even higher. Yes. Yes. we got some sublimated rage. Exactly. Yeah. So now it's more like, yeah, I only live once and I'm going to keep. I'm going to stay out of jail. On trucking. So <laughs> step out of my way, please. Whoever invented YOLO too, by the way, wherever that came from. It's from an early Bernie bro, I feel like. Gross. Like an early version of. Gross. Yeah. Tuck it back in <laughs> and chart Ease off back. on your yacht. Ease back. Yeah. You're right, though. It is used to justify, or it was anyway, used to justify like, almost like a, oh, you're saying no, but I'm going to guilt you into it. Yeah, you only, you only live, live once. once. Also, you only live once doesn't take that long to say. You're right. Why did we make it an acronym? <laughs> I, ju- I, I don't know what it is about acronyms for me, but it really pisses me off. There's so many. It's a acro- button. I, at Corporate America, there's so many yes. acronyms that don't need to be acronyms. Like it's longer to say that instead of the actual word. And yeah. also you have some acronyms that are the same letters for different things. Come on now. Stop it. Use some logic. Stop it. Also, the only mashups we want are like desserts. I don't want you smooshing words together to create words. No. I don't like that. Like, listen, I understand all words are made up, but we now have a set of words that we understand and we don't need to add more. Right. No, it's not okay. Do we sound old when we say that? So old. I don't care. You you only only live once. once. I'm glad we had a chance to scream at our audience. Scream it. Yeah. Which is why you should all have an afternoon delight. Absolutely. You only <laughs> Whatever that once, delight is. Whatever it is. Go for it. Frozen yogurt. Yep. Sex. Making a up a new word, I guess. Yeah. 
Yeah. But you don't get all of them. That's my point. You don't get all of it. No. If you're a bro at work with a Nautica belt on and you made a new word, that's what you get today. You don't get anything else. You picked your only live once thing that day and that was it. I like that, that we need to make sure there's only one a day. Yeah, if there there's is a one. limit. Yeah. You don't get to later go out at night and order bottle service and say, you only live once. No, you did it already you today, it already. sir. Yeah. You did it already. Stop it. Yeah, you're taking Stop from it. tomorrow's. So now tomorrow, you don't get it. Now you don't get it. You only live once yeah. moment. No, you don't. My you only live once moment might be adding extra raisins to my raisin bread. I don't know. What? I don't know, but I'll only do it one time. It might be using your, your milk frother on your coffee. Oh, that right? is that is that's YOLO your YOLO right YOLO there. <laughs> that is it. That is it. That is it. I have not updated you in the coffee tea arena. Oh no. I splurged and bought myself something. What'd you buy? I bought myself an ember cup. What is that? It's a chargeable cup that holds your liquid at temperature for two hours. So this replaces the little thing that you right. put the cup on. This cup right. is self-contained. So no matter where you go. Oh, da, da, da. shit. Yes. So like, oh, I'm going to make a coffee in the morning. Oh, no, I got in the shower. That was dumb. What happened to my coffee? Nothing. It's still warm. Wow. Yeah. I know. See, you and I have a very different coffee philosophy because I like to wait a little bit so it cools off. And then I just drink it slowly through the rest of the morning until it's pretty cold. But I'm fine with it. I don't actually like it when it's really hot. Hey, you only live once, Aaron. I don't know what I to like say my about that. Room temperature, that, and then you should drink it how you want it. <laughs> I don't know. The looks on your face were saying that was wrong. That what I, I mean, just said was wrong. The number of times I've warmed up coffee because it wasn't warm enough. <laughs> but now that I have this, and you get an app on your phone so you can set it to whatever temperature you prefer. Wow, you're living in the future. It's kind of crazy. And it's a commitment because you have to hand wash the cup every time. It's oh. not dishwasher safe. It's still worth it. Oh, man. It's still worth yeah, it. Yeah, you're living it. You're the living mornings that I get dreams. up to read and then I get lost in the book and I don't reach for my cup of coffee for like 20 minutes and I pick it up and it's still at temperature. Oh. It makes me want to cry. Wow. See, I'd be upset if it was still hot. But, you know, that's <laughs> just that's just. But me. you can set it to the temperature you want and then it would allow it to cool to that temperature. Interesting. Uh-huh. Okay. Okay. Uh-huh. Huh. It's also really helpful for like at night if I want to take a cup of tea upstairs, but I got a nighttime routine and I'm reading to my son. I mean, there's things that are happening. My tea's still at temperature. (sighs) You are living in the lap of luxury. It is luxurious. (laughs) It's luxurious. I'm so glad you updated me on your coffee and tea situation. I know. No one else probably cares, but (laughs) it's fine. Okay. Well, so you talked about a time that you... Seize the moment and it didn't go well. What about a time that you failed to seize the moment and then regretted it? Yeah. Um, Another sort of famous person. So, you know, a few years ago, and this was before we did the podcast. I don't know if we talked about it, but I got the opportunity to open for Amber Tamblyn. Yes. One of her book reading Uh things in Omaha. Super cool. She put out a call on Twitter for like emerging writers like hey who wants to join me you do like a five minute reading at each of these stops I was like fuck yeah and I applied and I got it so I got to meet her and she was great she was so cool and really like just chill and it seemed like I would like her she Mm -hmm. would fit in well with this friend group that we got and just very very generous over time everything so then a year or two after that I went to a conference uh the AWP the uh, Association Writers of Publishers in Portland um And she was one of the keynote speakers. And after her speech, I had this moment of like, I should go up and say hi. Like, I should just go up and say hi. She might remember me. She might not. Yeah. But I could say like, you know, thank you again for that great opportunity. In fact, you helped me like push my career a little forward. Like all of this. And we could be friends. Yes. Instead, what I did is I just sort of slowly walked out of the auditorium, like with my eyes back towards her, willing her to look my way so that we might like meet across the room. And she'd be like, I remember you. And like call me forward and we'd be best friends but that didn't happen shoot so i failed to bring her into our friend group and i apologize for that yeah well i accept your apology i did not take afternoon delight that day that's or morning delight or whenever it was in the day that's fair it's relatable though and also i gotta say i went to that conference and it was way too much it was a sensory explosion of stuff there were just so many people i think i was over it i didn't even want to talk to anybody let alone i can totally relate 
And I find that very relatable and understandable. Because of what you're failing to think about hmm. is that it could have gone bad and ruined a nice thing for I could you. have had another weird killer's yes. Madonna's moment. Yes. Exactly. Yes. So really what you did was preserve I did. that. You're right. It did remind me that there was another moment we had a close, close-ish interaction with Amber Tamblyn, which was the night of Hughes Gate. Yes, that's true. Where... We had no one-on-one interaction, but she did from the stage hear one of the toilet flushes from when you were vomiting over and over again. Yeah, she did. Yeah. That was rough. Her and Roxanne Gay, just to really drive it home. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's a detail I still continue to block. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Which I didn't tell you for a long time. No. I didn't want you to... To think about the fact Uh, that, yeah, it was that bad. It's that bad. It was that bad. Yep. Mm -hmm. So... Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Still talking about seizing the moment. Mm-hmm. I feel like if you had seen me fail in one of those moments, you would have helped pull me back. Yeah, or yeah, something. yeah, 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 of course. Mm-hmm. But have you ever witnessed someone seizing the moment mm-hmm. and it did not go well? The result was bad. Yes. Um, this is, I was directly involved in the seizing of the moment and was telling this person, don't do this. Mm. So I was in college and I was in a particular math class and I full disclosure, I was not doing well. Mm. I was struggling in this math class. And I was actually in the process of getting a tutor to help me understand the lessons. We had a sign. No, we did not have a sign seating. This person uh, chose to sit next to me and he was very tall and he was on the basketball team at the college that I went to. Very well known. And he sat next to me every day and that was fine. And we were kind of friendly. And I was consistently getting my quizzes and tests back. This is why I knew I needed a tutor, right? Because I was not doing well. It was about the second or third time that I happened to notice that we were always getting the same score. And I was like, is he cheating off me? And so we happened to have one that day, the day that it occurred to me. And I looked over and sure enough, he was cheating off of me. Now, some of you might think the story goes that I was like, how dare you? I wasn't. I waited after class and I said, "Sir, <laughs> sir, I'm getting you a chose tutor. The wrong person, dude. Like, move. Don't sit by me. Like, I get you. Obviously, need this for something. You're struggling too. You are cheating off the wrong person. <laughs> I full on said that to someone's face. I said, "Wow, not don't cheat off me. Yeah, I said you're not picking the right person yeah, to cheat off of. <laughs> How's the guy on the other side of you doing? <laughs> what is happening? Right? I tried to explain. Yeah." I don't know if he thought I was setting him up, if I was wired. I don't know what he thought was happening. No recognition. Barely said a word, walked away. And I was like, I did what I could. You did what you could. I figured he got it. He just wanted to sit next to me. Midterm next class. Sits directly next to me. And the whole time we're taking it, I can tell he's still cheating off me. And in my head, I'm like, if you are this dumb, you deserve to go down with the ship. Yeah. You're going down with me. Mm -hmm. I tried. (laughs) I tried. I'm so curious what he was thinking when you told him, like, buddy, you made a wrong choice. Yeah. Find somebody else. What was weird is that when he sat down the next time, he gave me a really big smile. Like, I thought he got it and he was just planning on cheating off the other guy or something. And then he cheated on me. And I'm like, who did you think this was? What did you think I was saying? Maybe the piss poor grades that you were getting were like really good for him like maybe he'd never that had did not any, occur but, to know, me until you know? way later yeah, that, yeah. that they were actually probably like, fine. fine with this this yeah. is what they expect yep. if i get better they're gonna know i'm cheating right you are the perfect mark that's why i picked you <laughs> and that's why he didn't know what to do in the hallway he was like oh well it's gonna keep happening it's interesting that your teacher didn't pick up on that too no i know i've thought about that yeah because they were a mixture some were scantron and some were like actual problems that you did huh. i don't think he cared much about yeah, anything it was a out. huge uh, uh class yeah, too. Yeah. it was a big auditorium and it wasn't like he knew who was sitting next to each sure. other because you could sit where he wanted yeah this guy always just chose to sit next to me and then every time i'd walk around campus and see him on a basketball poster i'd be like dummy <laughs> <laughs> you big old dummy <laughs> you had a moment that you seized and it was the wrong it was the one. wrong one and he's probably like you're a dummy yeah. to me like i don't need an a <laughs> your c minuses are perfect <laughs> or maybe you can just take that as a good deed you helped a real dumb dumb get through college be able to still play basketball exactly mm-hmm. and then every win nowhere. that season i took as a personal victory <laughs> 
Still on the team because of me. Too bad. I assume you didn't go to the games. Cause, uh, I went to a couple. Did you? Okay. Mm-hmm. Did he, you know, look up at you at the stands and be like, this one's for you? No, which no, is disappointing. That is very disappointing. It's disappointing, frankly. Unless maybe he had someone in every class so he couldn't remember. Like More like know. more likely. Yeah. 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 I think that's more likely. You were likely. just one of many. Uh-huh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, a lot of situations of seizing the moments. Not a lot of great ones. Nope. No, which is interesting for this theme. <laughs> it's interesting. It'll be interesting to see if our books have any positive seize the moment situations. My fiction pick might. Ooh, okay. Fit for that. So it's called The Women Could Fly. Mm. And it's from Megan Giddings. And if you're a longtime listener, you'll yeah. know that I recommended a book by her a couple years ago called Lakewood. And this book, The Women Could Fly, just came out, I believe, a month or two ago. So Josephine, she was a kid when her mother just disappeared. And she's lived with the nagging idea of what happened to her. It was a very public case. And there were all sorts of theories. They thought that maybe the mom was kidnapped or she was murdered or that she just left her family or that she was a witch. Because the last one is important. In the world of this book, witches are considered real. Um, From a legal standpoint, there's a Bureau of Witchcraft, Mm. and there are laws that all women must marry by age 30, or they need to enroll in a national registry that allows them to be monitored. Oh, shit. Yeah. And, of course, there's no laws around men. It doesn't apply to them. Just the women. The women are the potential problems. Of course. And because there's this legal precedent, women can be blamed for everything and anything. Like a guy cheats on his wife and he can say, that woman enchanted me. She's a witch. Oh. I'm just a victim. And for black women like Josephine, the danger is even more. There's much more likely they're going to get blamed for a lot of witchy shit. So Josephine, she is nearing 30. And she's not wanting to do all this. And at the same time, she's decided it's time to have her mother legally declared dead. That hadn't happened before. So when that happens, there's a note and a will. And it says that Josephine must take a trip to a secluded island on Lake Michigan at a specific day and time and find something. Don't know what we're going to find. Okay. But this is an island that her mother had talked about before. And supposedly it only appears every seven years for a few days. Okay. So because Josephine's in this sort of vulnerable place and because she's increasingly understanding, like, because her mom would always rail against the system. She'd be like, witchcraft is bullshit. Like, it's just being used to persecute women, all that kind of stuff. And at the time, you know, she was a kid and teenager. She wasn't sure if she believed in that. Now she's starting to really believe that. Right. So because of that, she does this. She's kind of hoping she's going to finally find out what happened to her mom. And she does. She finds that and she finds a lot more witchy stuff. This is a wild book, but it's also very grounded at the same time. It feels so relevant, but it also feels really timeless because we're always going to be thought of as witches if we do weird shit. Right. So, you know, don't want to mention too much of what happens because there's some really cool things that you discover along the way and I chose for this theme because there's very little autonomy for women in this book and so seizing the moment it usually looks like finding a decent dude and marrying him for his protection no matter how you feel about it right but Josephine wants more than that so when she has this opportunity to potentially find something different to find out some answers to find maybe a whole different path She takes it. And that gives her so many more like choices to make and moments to seize. Yeah. And I really liked that idea of like choosing something that leading to more choices and more opportunities down uh-huh. the road and a little bit more danger. And, you know, like I said, she's a two time pick. I think she writes wonderfully. This is a really cool story. Um, it's propulsive as well as like just really uh, lovely. And some of the things it says about about women and autonomy and witchcraft and, mm-hmm. and everything is just wonderful. Wow. Highly recommend it. That sounds great. And the women could fly is a hint. Ooh. I'm going to tell you that. Ooh. Mm-hmm. I wish we could. Oh, God. There were many moments where I was like, I wish there was an island that appeared only seven years and I would find out where it is and I would go. Yes. 100%. I would seize that opportunity. Seize it. Well, for my fiction pick this week, I'm going to recommend Vacation Land from Meg. Mitchell Moore, and it was released in June of 2022. Um, and ostensibly, this is kind of what people would categorize as a bee tree, okay. you know? Yep. And I think that that's the marketing around it in the summer. 
But I personally kind of think sometimes that label cheapens things. Absolutely. And I think this is a lot deeper story, more about family dynamics and relationships than just that. Um, it just so happens that there's sort of like a vacation in the middle of it. So Louisa is traveling to Maine for the summer with her three children to visit her parents at their beach house. And by beach house, this is how she grew up in. Like they live there year round, but... Louisa, since um, getting married and having kids, they just come usually for a couple weeks during the summer. But this summer, she's going to go for three months because her husband is in the throes of this startup. He's starting uh, this like whole podcast empire where they house a bunch of podcasts under them. And he's in fundraising mode and they're getting a lot of traction. And she has a book due. She's a professor and she's supposed to turn in this book and she's got none done because her husband's Oof. kind of been absent doing the work thing. And she's been taking care of the kids. She's thinking if she goes there, her parents are around. She'll get, she's got a writing schedule. She'll be in her kind of home place. And she thinks this is going to be great. So she gets there. They get there. And she finds out that everything's not great. She knew that her father has had a recent diagnosis of Alzheimer's. But she didn't know how far he had progressed. And he is a daily caretaker. And her mom is kind of struggling, like, Some days she's willing to admit that everything's bad, and other days she's kind of brave face, everything's fine. So things are very tenuous family-wise. And in the throes of this very beginning of the summer, we as the reader first meet her, Christy. And she's this person who's coming to Maine. She's coming on a bus. Kind of the same idea as Louisa, like this getaway. And we don't totally know a lot about her, but we quickly learn that her mom has recently passed the only person she had, her mom has left her with some medical debt and she's kind of trying to escape a bad relationship and start over. But there seems to be a very pointed reason that she's coming to this town in Maine. And Louisa and Christie's worlds are going to collide really quickly and with a very odd connection. And I won't give it away because I think the payoff's, mm-hmm. you know, worth it. But There's so many viewpoints in this book. We see it from Christy's point of view. We see it from Louisa's point of view. We see it from some of Louisa's kids' point of view. Mm. We see it from the housekeeper that works for Louisa's family. We see it from the husband. There's all these different chapters. And really what you get is kind of swept up in this family story. And yes, it's happening during the summer, but it sort of could be happening anywhere. It feels like one of those things where you have one idea about something And then one little thing shifts and everything looks different to you. Mm -hmm. And it all shifts because Christy chooses to seize the moment, step up and say this very important fact that changes everything. And because of that, everybody else's lives are kind of forced to take on a new tone and look different. And in a lot of ways for the better. Maybe they don't think that at first, but it probably ends up that way. So if you are the type that kind of likes those like family drama dynamics, sink your teeth into books, I think this is great. Um, I think you don't need to wait for a summer to yeah, read it. Yeah. it. It's got a summer vibe because yeah, they're outside and stuff like that. But it's really more about the idea of coming home, mm. I think. Or what does home actually mean to you? And when you realize that maybe it wasn't what you thought it was, how does that change your perception? Or how do you realign your perspective to understand where you've come from and where you're going? Sounds great. It was. Also, I like the idea, you know, we've talked a lot about that category of beach reads before Uh and some of the pros and cons of that. That almost feels like a a way of seizing an opportunity too, like trying to time your book to around beach season or whatever because it feels like a very specific kind of book is being sought out during that time yes and you know publishing is seizing the moment yeah too. and yeah. i mean g- you know good for them but mm-hmm. I-, I just think it's the type of book you know what you could pick up curl up with and have a different kind of afternoon delight you could have an autumn afternoon delight, delight. <laughs> just saying not saying just saying by the way, if anyone ever propositioned me with, hey, you want to have some afternoon delight? I would be an immediate no. It'd be an immediate like that. No. No, I, because what that sounds like to me is that you're going to give me tapioca pudding with whipped cream on top. It, it sounds all, like a weird like treat. I, hmm, I went another way where it's going to be a lot of like energy at like trying to make it work. In yeah. A sexual, it's going to be real disappointing. It's going to be extremely yes, yes. underwhelming yeah. of a sexual endeavor. Yeah. I will say that. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. 
So yeah, just watch out for that. If someone ever propositions you, hey, listeners, afternoon delight. Just just say no. Just say no. Say no. Say no. Like Nancy Reagan told us to in the eighties. Just, just say, say no. no. Well, she might as well have been talking about afternoon she might delight. As well. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know what I just remembered. Um, so I told you I'd been re-listening to some of our past episodes mm-hmm. and I had forgot about the moment when we talked to Heath about Nancy Reagan being the blowjob queen of Hollywood. Holy <laughs> shit. What a revelation. Like we totally missed that pop culture moment. Yeah. And then we could not get enough of it in no. the episode. No. I still can't get enough I of it. I still can't. I'm it's probably going to bring it up again. <laughs> so amazing. Well, from blowjob queens to this, there's no connection. There's no connection whatsoever. It's a hard pivot. Well, if she was the queen, she probably did it in the afternoon. She probably she probably did. She yeah. was probably the queen of afternoon delight. Mm-hmm. You know, an afternoon post lunch meeting. Where else are you gonna do? Where it? else are you gonna do? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. After a liquid that feels lunch. accurate for a blowjob because I feel yeah. like otherwise you're just moving into other things. Exactly. It's you're not yeah. Just if you're just there. this is a, a short moment in time. Yeah. I'm just gonna do this quick for you. Yep. Yeah. So you'll give me something in return. Right. Which will not be sexual gratification. Oh, no. It will be some sort of business arrangement. Yes. Because this is Hollywood. Yes. Yeah. Correct. So back to that hard pivot. Yeah. Yeah. Hard pivot. So my other genre book book Uh is a uh, graphic novel. Uh Uh-huh. It's called Fine, a comic about gender. Ooh. And it's from Rhea Ewing, and it just came out this year. And Rhea was a graphic artist who was nearing college graduation in 2012. And increasingly, they were grappling with one central question. What is gender? Like, Mm. what in the actual hell is gender? Right. Why are some things masculine and why are some things feminine? Mm -hmm. Why are are the rules about our behavior so weird and contradictory? Mm. Why do some people feel at home in their bodies and others don't? So... Rhea started work on a research project where they talked to friends and then acquaintances and then strangers to get their ideas about what gender is. And pretty quickly, the project grew way past this college project into something much larger, um, nearly a decade of work. And this is the result of it. So the book is sort of it's a graphic memoir ish kind of book where that features dozens of interviews with trans folks, non-binary folks, LGBTQ plus, cisgender, and other people as they discuss all aspects of gender. And all of them are in the Midwest, by the way. So it's also a very particular type of Midwestern gender and gender roles, which was very understandable and sort of attractive, and I think it would be to you as well. Absolutely. So there's questions like, how do you identify, Mm -hmm. which sparks lots of personal stories of growing up with a specific gender, understanding the need to change, using pronouns, there's answers that vary according to person and also due to different races and cultures and religions and there's so many topics about language about logistics about community and along the way we get Rhea's own journey for years they could never get a handle on what the fuck gender really is and why they didn't feel comfortable with any gender conforming type of behavior Mm. or clothes Mm -hmm. or anything Mm -hmm. so I really like that there were you know, there were interviews starting in 2012, but then over that time, there were additional interviews that showed that some of these people, their thinking had evolved, their thinking mm. had changed. And just like Rhea, so it shows how complex and always changing ideas of gender are. Right. And I chose it for this theme because I think Rhea started uh, started this whole project as sort of seizing a moment to learn more about something that they were really fascinated by and confused by and really wanted to know more about. And they found through interviews, no clear cut answers, but lots of opportunities. Mm. And the interviewees themselves, they'd all faced a moment where they could follow their instincts, even if it conflicted with social norms and legal clusterfuckery of our current environment, and seize the moment to be more embodied and to feel more who they are. So I really enjoyed this. I, uh, this was one of those where I sort of came back to it after a while, because there's some really thoughtful deep conversations about who we are as people about our gender yeah and there's a lot to think about and i came away thinking so many new things about gender my own and others and what's socialized and what's innate and what's taught and what we live and it's fascinating and i think it's a book that is worth coming back to multiple times too to just really think about all of that interesting and the way that they represent it graphically is also really cool because you get you know actual 
sort of portraits of these people as well as their own journey too. Very cool. Yeah, that's very cool. Well, in a weird kind of seizing the moment thing that I didn't anticipate, the book that I brought for other genre is called Listening in the Dark, Women Reclaiming the Power of Intuition, which is edited by Amber Tamblyn. I just saw a picture of this today. I didn't know this was out or where it was. It just came out this month. That's yeah. fantastic. Yeah, and I actually listened to it on audiobook. So, so you mean the person that I could have made a friend yeah. for our group, but thankfully I didn't embarrass myself in exactly. front of Exactly, yeah. yes. Your intuition knew this was not the time. Yes, exactly. Mm. So there's a ton of contributors. Like I said, it's edited by Amber Tamlin. She has the first essay in it, but there's Samantha Irby, Huma Abedin, America Ferreira, Amy Poehler, and that's just scratching the surface. So each person has an essay about their own intuition, a story where maybe they ignored it or they embraced it, and then kind of what they think about it, or some of them kind of give ideas about how to hone your intuition or how to listen to it better. But I, I, overall, the kind of feeling is like, as women, we have this feeling a lot that we can't explain, right? That we know something's pointing us in a certain direction or something doesn't feel right. But we're taught so early mm-hmm. on to ignore that, that we don't seem to have the language to say, this isn't right without all kinds of evidence, without being able to just say, I know in my gut, this isn't okay. Or I know in my gut, this is right. And so it's really about getting back in touch with that. And it reminded me of this topic because I feel like intuition in a lot of ways leads to seizing the moment. For sure. You know, like this is right, I'm going to do it. Or this is wrong and I'm going to seize the moment to get myself out of it. Mm-hmm. And being in tune with all parts of your body is very difficult, I feel like, to master and to understand and to really trust and so all these stories, there are various ways that their intuitions come out, which I think was super relatable because some of them I was like, hmm, I guess I haven't had that experience, but I can see what she's saying. And other ones I was like, yes, it's felt the exact same for me. So it felt like there's something for everyone. And the stories were big, you know, people's children dying to missed opportunities to see someone you know there there's a wide range of things Mm -hmm. that they talk about with intuition Um, but overall the message being how do we better hone that skill and how do we teach other women to hone that skill so that we're more in tune with ourselves and confident that we're listening to all parts of our body Mm -hmm. and trusting all parts of it it was really really uh interesting and eye-opening and hopeful in a way Hmm. like there's some stories that are are hard to listen to and and gut-wrenching but also there's this optimism of this is a skill that you can hone and this is a skill that you can get back if you've lost it and it's important to do that and as I mentioned I listened to the audiobook most of the authors read their own essays oh how cool which is great yeah and it was really interesting I felt like to see it or listen to it in that format but I highly recommend it, even if you only listen to the one people that you know. I mean, you would get something out of it, I think. But That's so cool. I like, too, that, you know, that they go ahead and name it intuition. Because don't you feel like, I remember especially, like, growing up, hearing about, like, women's intuition was sort of, like, downplaying something. Like, oh, that's just whatever, women and their intuition yes, kind of thing. Yeah. So it's one of those ways of, like, showing us we don't, we shouldn't believe Correct. what our body is telling us mm-hmm. or what our mind is telling us. And we have, since we were little, been kind of told that like our, I think women know that we feel emotions in different ways, you know, different body ways. But we've also been told that that's just part of being us and we shouldn't do that. Exactly. We feel too much. We feel emotion too much. Yes. And instead, this is kind of a way to say that's good. Like Mm -hmm. that's a skill that we have that we should actually be sharpening and using instead of dulling. And, And it did raise for me the question... Why do we always try and dull that skill? Yeah. Because we've been told because other people are afraid of it, right? I mean, we always try and shut down things we don't understand or we feel like we can't access. And that very much feels like a male thought process, like we can't access that, so shut it down. Yeah. Because it's not like understood, you know, it's, yeah, it's just seen as, well, it's kind of connects to witchiness in a way. Yes. Like that, Mm -hmm. you know. I had another thought, but it went away. It was a good one, too. It does. When you were talking about your fiction pick, I was thinking of it, too. There's yeah. just 
something about trusting yourself and that it's sad, but we do such a good job from such an early age of stamping that out. Don't trust yourself. Yes. When what we should be doing is building that up over and over and over and over again. And sometimes when we trust our intuition, it's inconvenient to the people that we then are saying no to. So they're saying, no, that's not real. Your Mm -hmm. intuition, whatever. It's not, you know. That gives them all the reason they need to shut it down because it's not quote-unquote evidence-based, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. You're saying, no, I just know I need to do this yeah. or I know in my gut that this isn't right. Mm-hmm. When you feel it in your tum, it's time to run. Time to run. You're right. This is very much red flag territory. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It is interesting the way our vocabulary has changed too because maybe red flags is a way of saying intuition. It's just a little more like it's less denigrated than the idea of intuition now or something. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Because I think it red flags usually are like, oh, something's wrong. But yeah. your intuition can tell you something's right, yeah, too. Or yeah. like, this is something I want to do. Or my intuition is telling me this is something valuable I want to spend time on. Mm-hmm. And it, you're right. It is a skill to learn and to be able to trust it and to actually act on it. Absolutely. And not let other people talk you out of it. Yes. 100%. That's mm-hmm. hard to do. Mm-hmm. So it's a good read. I really think that... Even if you just pick and choose some things, it'd be mm-hmm. well worth it. Excellent. Well, for pop culture, I've yeah. got a series Ooh. on Amazon. It came out oh. earlier, I believe this summer, and it's A League of Their Own. Oh, yeah. So first, bear with me. If you love the original 1992 movie with Gina Davis, Madonna, Lori Petty, all about the all-women professional baseball league during World War II, And you're afraid of this as an adaptation. Don't worry. I was afraid of that because I loved that movie. It was so cool. And I loved like seeing women taking that opportunity and everything. This is different because that movie was sort of like the general story. And either at the time they couldn't or they didn't get into some really key aspects of that history, such as lesbian and queer stories and the stories of black women that were not allowed into the league. Mm -hmm. You know, you get hints of that in the movie, but... It was a different cultural time where we didn't really talk about that. Now we can talk about it. And so that's what this show does. So Abby Jacobs from Broad City, uh-huh. um, she is Carson. And she's a married housewife from a small uh, western town. And she takes a train to Chicago to try out for this new thing she's heard about, which is professional baseball for women, while all the men are away at war, including her husband. Immediately, she meets Greta, who's Darcy Carden, Mm. and a whole bunch of other women like her who have been dying for something like this. They're all really good. They're really athletic, very good at baseball, but there's no place for them, not until now. So we follow Carson as she gets into the league, and in the process, she thinks about her marriage. She thinks about her life. She thinks about who she really loves. And at the same time, there's that story, and then there's the story of Max, who's played by Shante Adams. And Max is a young black woman who wants to play baseball. But when she and her friend Clance go to those tryouts, they're blocked. They're told you can't oh. come in, you know, you're not allowed, you're not American, you're not all American, all that bullshit, right? right? So instead, she gets hired at a local factory so she can play for their baseball team. She like, oh. doesn't care about the job whatsoever. She sees the baseball team. It's all dudes. But she's like, I'm going to get on that team. There's eight episodes of the show, and it follows all of them through the season. And those two storylines combine, and uh, it's really cool. And the show really, really shines when it comes to women's friendship and those Mm. relationships. You are invested so quickly in all of these women. You love every character. You really want them to thrive. And along the way, we get this fascinating look at some underground scenes like hidden gay cabarets and black trans and queer communities um it's stuff that you don't see about that era you know i loved this it's funny it's exciting it's touching it's so many things and i i chose it for this theme because every one of those women they're trying to seize the moment this mm-hmm. is a once in a lifetime not even that like once in multiple lifetimes moments to play baseball and not be overshadowed by the men, just stand on their own. Yeah. They have to put up with a lot of shit to do it, a lot of sexist shit, but it's a passion that they can't deny. And especially since we, you know, as 
audiences in modern day, we know that this was a very particular moment in time that only lasted for a very short amount of time. Yeah. And after the war ends, this all ends, and they are sent back into the kitchen and into their various roles. Um, but they're going to seize the moment for right now. So oh, it's really, yeah, yeah, it's really sort of. I kept thinking of the word rousing in a way, which is weird, but it it's like you want to cheer for them in a way. Oh, yeah. cool. Okay. Well, that's good to know. See, yes. I had heard about it. I hadn't watched it. Yes. Good recommendation. Mm-hmm. I like it. Uh, well, I am going to recommend a podcast uh, this week. It's it's in the Witnessed series. This is season three of Witnessed. I have not listened to the other two, but this one is called Witnessed Mystic Mother. And this explores the Phoenix Goddess Temple which was shut down by police in 2011 for being an alleged brothel. (laughs) Hold on. Phoenix goddess Goddess temple. temple. Those are three words that when put together are quite horrific. Yeah. They're giving me an image. Yeah. Yeah, It's not a great one. Right. Um, It is run by this lady who truly believes she's doing a religion. And her part of her religion is that there's a healing component to sex and to sexual touch. Okay. Sure, 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 sure. And she believes this wholeheartedly and is has set up this whole system where women work there, but there's no price structure. Like they don't get paid for the healing sessions. Whatever happens is supposed to happen as part of the healing. And you can leave a donation if you want, but there's no fee because, again, it's not prostitution. It's a religion. So oh my God. what you're going to hear through this podcast this limited series podcast is basically a fight about religious freedom <laughs> and sex work and a whole bunch of guys in politics not knowing how to deal with this and how to actually handle someone who truly believes that it's a religion oh my god so this is a quote from because the hosts are leah and katie hennick who are sisters who took on this story they got interested they did it this is a quote that they gave during kind of their media tour before it started that I think really sums up what you're going to get if you're interested in this. This complicated story has captivated us for years. Mystic Mother explores the larger questions about religious freedom, control of women's bodies, and the law's complicated role in both. Hmm. This series offers a unique perspective on the story of the Phoenix Phoenix Goddess Temple allowing listeners to draw their own conclusions about what happens when your beliefs might be against the laws. So you're going to hear both sides. You're going to hear from women who worked there. You're going to hear from guys that went there. You're going to hear from law enforcement. You're going to hear from the owner, runner, CEO. You're going to hear from her family. You're going to hear stuff from the court. It's fascinating. I'm going to be honest with you. I still don't know how I feel. Wow. I still don't know. I think that there's issues. No doubt, as you might be already be able to tell. But the lengths that some of this went is interesting. It also raises a lot of questions that we've talked about on here before about sex work mm-hmm. and whether or not, where are we going to draw the line? What's yeah. illegal? How are we going to protect that? All those questions that we've had before. And that how do we make sure it. that they're not being, because it sounds like, kind of forced free sex in a way like they're not you know necessarily having agency right they and that's what's weird is that yeah. the women do and huh. they are and they're making a lot of money oh but the main issue is that you're also operating as a religious institution yeah, yeah, yeah. so you're tax free you're also operating in the middle of a community where a church might be yeah and people have a problem with that there's a lot of like elements that bring in all different kinds of things religion sex work all these things Mm. and ultimately at the end of the day you have two consenting adults like this lady that ran the temple didn't necessarily force anyone to work there she wasn't like a a pimp in that yeah you know general sense we're used to but then there's also women that say you know there were times that i felt like i had to go further than i wanted to you know so as you can imagine, runs the gamut, but just a fascinating story. And it was so interesting because it felt like to me a really a story about this woman just seizing the moment and saying, no, this is what I really believe and I'm going to build an entire life around it. And an empire, a goddess temple. And if you listen to some of that stuff that happens in the courtroom and you tell me that you don't think she's seizing the moment, 
I don't know what there's a better definition of because that woman does not stop. Wow. She represents herself. Oh, no. And she is just fine putting it all out there. And on some level, you have to respect it. I mean, the audacity of naming your business a goddess temple is pretty... Because she ultimately you know. believes that the highest power in the universe is a female. Okay. And that female sexuality is something that should be worshipped because it is incredibly healing. It's incredibly powerful. And we don't actually tap into it like we should. That's why it's pushed down by society because they know how powerful it could be if we all tapped into it. Listen, that all makes sense. I'm on board. I'm on board with that. This is what I'm telling you. You're going to be all over the place. Wow. Uh Mm Uh-huh. Yeah, that's a great place to start. But then you start getting into weird business angles and stuff. Mm -hmm. Huh. Mm -hmm. Well, it sounds great. Yeah. It is a really interesting, and I thought they did a great job. They have interviews from all sides. I thought they really presented it in a very unbiased way. Like, here's the information and you're kind of left with, you'll find out, you know, what happens in the court case and all that. But you're sort of left with like, huh, there's a lot more to explore there. Like, there's a lot of things we have not figured out. Wow. And there's a lot of afternoon delight. <laughs> <laughs> Way to bring it all back around. <laughs> Reinforce our theme. Well done. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Is it all in the afternoon? A lot, of, a lot of the healing a lot sessions happen in the afternoon. In the afternoon. Huh. Yeah, a whole lot huh. of afternoon delight. I mean, I would hope they then use that song uh-huh. as part of their, you know, branding. Of some I kind. would hope so. Yeah. I imagine Starland Vocal Band was like, yes, please give me money. Absolutely. We'll play for the Phoenix <laughs> Goddess Temple. Are you kidding? Actually, Phoenix Goddess Temple would be a great band. That would be a great band. Yeah. To do the cover of Afternoon Delight. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then maybe it could be like, you know little offshoots of it like the iowa goddess temple yes i was gonna say we could open up one but then we're entering a whole legal morass we don't want to get in there i don't have that kind of energy i don't either and listen you're all right about you're right about sexuality being powerful and it's too powerful i don't want to have to deal with that on a daily i can't do it i can't harness that and be responsible for other women's no immense power no 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 it's too much work. But I can tell you that, hey, if you want to use your powers for good and heal people with your sexuality, I don't want to stop you. Not at all. I'm not going to stand in your way. No. Feels like a YOLO moment. You do you. <laughs> you go for it. I hope in their branding they do a lot of hashtag YOLOs. I hope so. Yeah. Talk about seizing the moment, like you said. Yes. Well done. We did it. I'm delighted. We seized this theme. We had afternoon delight in recording this episode. (laughs) Yes, we did. Yeah. Uh Uh-huh. And it wasn't tapioca pudding. No, it wasn't. (laughs) It was this podcast. (laughs) And you seem like you're feeling decent. I I made it. Yeah. We're here. Yeah. I made it with a few coughs and (laughs) snot things, but we're okay. We made it. You survived. Yeah. The good news is we'll be back. Yeah. And hopefully so will my voice. So so will your voice. Hope, let's hope. And you know, it won't be named Afternoon Delight, but we'll be talking more about Afternoon Delight. We will. Because we're just delightful. Especially in the afternoon. Well, yes. Yeah. Yeah. I'm probably at my best. <laughs> <laughs> at least for an hour or two. Then I get sleepy. Then it's tired. And then and it's, it's you know. Time. Yeah. yeah. That's really the honest Afternoon Delight. That is the Afternoon Delight. When I take a nap and there's a podcat on top of me. Yeah. Yes. Done. Yeah. Wonderful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, that's great. you know, that's the rest of my afternoon. Okay. Well, good. Well, all right. So, uh, you know, in the meantime, happy reading. I'm up again. Same night, another dream. Before trying this recording thing, I didn't remember much of anything of these dreams. I didn't remember much from any of the women. And one night of doing this, and it's broken things open. The dreams are, they're in me, and they're they're coming out of me, and... To me, I am not broken. I am the most whole, most real. Their despair. I cause their despair. I wait for the word. I wait for the word. Witch. 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 Look at the mad woman in her cage. She was a woman with holes inside her. 
That was the heaviest factor, the final evidence, the heart of the issue. Somehow, you understand this. You, you, you hear me. Wherever you are, whatever this is, you... This isn't a dream journal anymore. It's not. That's just, it's just fact. <laughs> because now this is, this is some sort of record. What are these dreams? Maybe there's a better question. Who are these women? Weird Woman is a Broads and Books production. All nine episodes are available January 10th. Listen and subscribe to Weird Woman on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and your favorite podcast platform. That's W-Y-R-D, Woman, wherever you listen to podcasts.